Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. I feel quite rested today. It is Memorial Day weekend. I actually am late with this episode. Usually I drop episodes midnight, Monday midnight, so that those of you who listen in the morning can, if you commute to work, you can listen on your morning commute or you can listen on your morning walk to (laughs) your coffee Uh, or if you have a Keurig on your morning walk to your kitchen. But with the holiday weekend, so for those of you listening outside of the U.S., it's Memorial Day weekend, which is, to me, like the unofficial start of the summer. I'm so excited. I love summer. Summer makes me so happy. Even though I'm a spring baby, I just love summer. And we get like, in the Northeast, and specifically in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, we get like four, barely four months of summer. It's still kind of cold, like chilly. Memorial Day weekend was a little chilly. I had to wear a coat. So it's like not hot yet. I think it'll get warm in June. So we really get like June, July, and August. So I'm so excited. Another summer is upon us. I love summertime. I'm sure y'all love summertime. So yeah, I'm excited about today's episode. By the time you all are listening to this I will have shared pictures on my social media, on my LinkedIn and my um, Instagram of I had two baby billboards in Times Square. So excited. One was a link station, which is like a charging station. They have those around New York City. I feel like they probably have them around other cities, too, but it's like a charging station. Um, But it has digital billboards and there's a link station right in the heart of Times Square. And so I got a billboard, um, I took out a billboard right there, and then in the one of the entrances at uh, the subway station in Times Square. And that's like the busiest, t- Times Square is the busiest subway station, and there's multiple entrances. So if any of you were in New York over Memorial Day weekend, you may have seen or walked past my billboards. So I'm really, really excited. And I, throughout the summer... I know most people come to New York to visit over the summer. So throughout the summer, excuse me, you may see some billboards 
or some advertisements for my book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace. So if you want to pre-order my book, which comes out October 24th, 2023, the link to pre-order is in the show notes. So before we go ahead and start with today's show, I just want to mention that I'm hosting a webinar on how to leverage LinkedIn as a small business owner, as a entrepreneur, because... Sometimes I don't like cross-pollinate, so I don't like post the exact same things on LinkedIn and Instagram, but sometimes when I've talked about my analytics from LinkedIn on my Instagram, people will be like, you should, um, like a few people have slid in my DMs and said, you should teach people how to use LinkedIn, right? Because there's this perception that LinkedIn is solely for like job seekers. So if you're not seeking a job, you shouldn't be on LinkedIn. But I'm like, no. LinkedIn, I've been able to cultivate such an amazing community on there. And I just, I want to be able to share what I've been able to to learn on the platform. I've been aggressively using it since 2017. So it's been like six years. I had a LinkedIn since 2012, so it's been over 10 years, but I wasn't like using it because I had this perception that if I wasn't looking for a job, I didn't need to actively be on it. But with Twitter going up in flames, Instagram on the same path, no shade but shade, I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn is hands down my favorite platform. I'm on there the most, but I don't like this pricing model that Instagram has done. I shared with y'all that I was able to work with a, an amazing black woman PR person and I was able to get verified on Instagram literally right before they did the whole paid verification thing. So I think it was like January of this year, so January of 2023. I had no idea. None of us knew that they would start paid verifications, but I think they saw what Twitter was doing and said, let's do that too which I think was a horrible business plan. But if they're trying to make money, I don't know, maybe it's a good idea. But I just feel like it takes away the lure of like being verified, which it indicates that you do some sort of work that is recognizable. And I think if anyone can just pay for a verification to me, it kind of, I don't want this to turn into a whole social media discussion, but so anyway, I say that to say like, since um, Instagram has been acting kind of funny style, I have sort of like focused much more of my energy. I'm doing TikTok here and there. Um, and I'm back on YouTube. The link to, to subscribe to my YouTube pages in the show notes. I'm back on YouTube, um, more and I'm really focused on LinkedIn. So if any of you are interested in understanding how to utilize LinkedIn to market yourself, to sell your products or your services as a consultant, as a product-based business, as a service-based business, you do not want to miss this webinar. I don't know when the next time I'm doing this webinar is, but I feel like it's been a long time coming. For years, people have been asking me to help them with LinkedIn, help them beef up their LinkedIn, and so I am offering this webinar. You don't want to miss it. Save your seat. It's on the first day, the first official day of summer, June 21st, 2023. So the link to save your seat is in the show notes. So lastly, before we get into the episode, I also want to mention that if your organization or institution is looking for an external consultant, to provide guidance around like your company policies, how to make them more equitable, 
how to create strategies for more equity, how to recruit and retain underrepresented talent, holla at your girl. Um, my email is in the show notes as well. I, I realize I don't talk about this a lot, but some folks don't know that I'm a PhD trained organizational psychologist. So my whole background, my literal PhD was in organizational psychology and I focused on hiring biases, excuse me. I feel like I have a dry throat today. I focused on hiring biases. And so if you're company, your organization or institution is struggling with any aspect of equity in the workplace, whether it's in your hiring processes or your promotion and advancement processes, send me an email so that we can talk more about what a partnership could look like. So I really wanted to just have a whole podcast episode dedicated to my experiences with my hair. I talked about a few of these in my forthcoming book, Decentering Whiteness in the Workplace, and I've also written some articles on this, and I had the opportunity to write a Harvard Business Review piece on this, but I wanted to outline this in a podcast episode, and I'm so proud of that Harvard Business Review piece, by the way. I think it's the first time that Harvard Business Review in all their years has ever had an article dedicated specifically to hair discrimination as it pertains to black women in the workplace. So the link to read that article is in the show notes. I also wrote an article on the ways hair bias shows up in the workplace. And that's what I wanted to break down in today's episode. The reason I wanted to break this down is I often, if y'all are connected with me on LinkedIn, I talk about hair bias and how hair plays into our conceptions of professionalism often. And I read comments on LinkedIn and someone said to me, a white man said to me, I don't understand. Like, I get it, like outside of the workplace, like, People might make comments about your hair, but how does hair bias actually show up in the workplace? Because people accuse me of making this, quote unquote, more than what it is. They say hair bias isn't a thing. By talking about it, you're making it into something that it's not. So I really wanted to break down in today's episode the ways that hair bias shows up in the workplace. So the first way that hair bias shows up in the workplace is more subtle biases, right? I've experienced subtle biases and these are called microaggressions, right? So the microaggressions that you experience when you have your hair in a certain hairstyle, people asking to touch your hair, right? People asking <clears throat> um, people asking if your hair is real. I hate that question. I, I remember doing a TikTok a couple of years ago and I was like, don't ask me if my hair is real if you don't ask that same question to people of other races. Black women are the only women that are constantly questioned about our hair, whether it's real, whether it goes out of our scalp. You don't ask that question to anybody else. So uh, the subtle biases that people experience and the microaggressions, right? And people making comments about your hair. I talk about this a lot in um, in the book, in decentering whiteness in the workplace. But the first way that bias shows up is in those subtle sorts of microaggressions, right? And the second way that hair bias shows up in the workplace is discriminatory policies, right? And so this is 
the fact that a lot of companies have grooming policies and appearance policies that are discriminatory. We saw this with Abercrombie and Fitch, who got sued several years ago, and the case actually went up to the Supreme Court, where I'm forgetting the young lady's name. I believe her last name was Aloof, Aloof. But she was a Muslim woman. She was wearing a hijab. And according to Abercrombie and Fitch's appearance policy, uh, hijab goes against their, at that time, went against their appearance policy. And I think they weren't, they didn't extend the job offer to her. They were going to if she was willing to remove her hijab. And, uh, you know, obviously she said no. And uh, the case, she ended up suing Abercrombie and Fitch. The case went up to the Supreme Court and the courts ruled in her favor. So discriminatory policies are the second way that hair bias shows up in the workplace. I talked about this in my book and I'm not going to reveal all of my book, but I, and I know I've talked about this at like speaking engagements before. So it's not like I'm revealing an exclusive story that's only in my book, right? But I, when I um, came to New York, not right when I came to New York, this was like five years ago, right? I was trying to make extra money before uh, my husband and I got married. And before we got married, I was like, I'm going to take a, because um, it was also the summertime, right? And we got married in September and I was off from school and I wanted to like make extra cash for all of the wedding expenses. We did a destination wedding and our honey, it, w- it was a lot, right? I was like, I want to, one thing I've always wanted to do is like be a tour guide in New York City because I love New York City. It's like my favorite place in the world. And I wanted to learn more about it because when I moved to New York, I was in Long Island and I was mostly just Queens, Long Island, Queens, Long Island. So I didn't really know, like I knew Manhattan because I would always go there, but I didn't really know a lot about the other boroughs. So as a tour guide, I learned so much about New York and... As a tour guide, I had to wear this, like, we had to wear this. I was on one of those do- double-decker buses. I even forget the name of it, but it leaves from Times Square. And it goes all around the city and then into Brooklyn, into Dumbo, and then back into Manhattan. And I had this uniform that I had to wear, but it didn't fit my hair. And so I remember getting reprimanded for not wearing the hat and my manager was like, you need to wear the hat because it had like the company logo. And I was like, bro, your hats don't even fit my head. So you're creating this uniform that is mandated by this policy, but it's not inclusive. It's causing disparate, I always get these confused, it's causing a disparate impact, right? It's Disparate impact is a policy that on the surface seems neutral, but it's actually discriminatory against a particular group. So a good example is Domino's used to have a policy where all of their delivery drivers had to be clean shaven. Well, this was found to be discriminatory against black men because black male drivers are more prone to, black men when they shave their beards are more prone to a skin condition. Um, I I don't know the name, um, but it makes black men more likely to get ingrown hairs. So many of the black male delivery drivers were like, yeah, I'm not shaving my beard because I'm more likely to get like razor bumps, right? And so having a policy that mandates that everyone be clean shaven is causing a disparate impact on one 
specific population of employees. So similar, if there were multiple black girls, I don't, honestly, I don't remember any working with any um, black folks. <laughs> I'm like thinking and thinking and thinking besides, <clears throat> besides the black woman that actually put me on who told me about the job. I don't remember working with a lot of black people. So <clears throat> I think her hair was in a way that it was easy for her hair to fit the hat. I think she had locks. So that was an example of like a policy that on the surface it seems very neutral, but it was causing disparate impact, right? And so making sure that your company policies are not embedded with inequities. And so that's the second way that hair bias can show up in the workplace is through those policies. The other way that hair bias shows up is, and this is where a lot of the research has been centered. And if you want more guidance, I talk about this more in depth in my Harvard Business Review article, but hiring bias is one of the biggest ways that hair discrimination and bias shows up is like when I'm hiring somebody, if they have a particular hairstyle, I might be more likely to want to hire them, right? Because I might have a misconception about braids or about an afro. And so that's also a big fear for a lot of black folks and more specifically, a lot of black women, right? Because they've done a lot of different studies on hairstyles and they found that there are disparate rates of hiring that black women experience based on their hairstyle, right? If I have a straight hair in a lot of different environments and settings, I may be more likely to be hired. And what's interesting is that a lot of these figures and these, these the research indicates that it doesn't matter the race of the, the hiring manager, right? That many of us black folks also have these ingrained have have this ingrained anti-blackness that makes us more likely to discriminate against the black person that doesn't adhere to respectability and respectability politics, right? And so hiring bias is one of the biggest ways that hair discrimination and bias shows up. So that's why it's so critical to be educating your employee population on hair discrimination and hair bias and the multiple myriad ways that it can show up in the workplace. Because all of us, it's not just a, white people are often the perpetuators of this type of hair bias, but it, it's also, you know, I've heard older black folks, so black folks who are baby boomers perpetuating these negative sort of stereotypes about black hair and really playing into respectability politics. So I think it's imperative to make sure you're educating your employee population on the ways that we have ingrained and unconscious and inherent biases when it comes to black hair and black features. I've actually, I actually am releasing a YouTube video to coincide with this episode. So I'm trying to release it on Memorial Day, but fingers crossed, I will, I'm gonna put that out into the universe, but I'm making my debut back on YouTube and my first video back is on my 4C hair journey where I talk about my different experiences with my hair. So I will link that in the show notes below so y'all can dive in and watch. Sidebar, right, um, this is a side story. So just as a forewarning, I was sightseeing this past weekend because one of my best friends was in New York and we were just like sightseeing. And we went to this um, 
I don't even know what it's called, but it's it was built. I should be gatekeeping right now because it's such a cool place, but I'm, I'm going to let y'all know. I think it's one Vanderbilt place, right? Right next to Grand Central. Never knew this place existed. I have done a lot of sightseeing stuff in New York, but I guess this was built post-COVID. And post-COVID, I haven't had as many visitors and I don't do a lot of New York sightseeing like I used to. But we were inside, it's like the Empire State Building, but better views and a better experience. And we were inside the building and this man walked up to me. I believe his name was Sean. I don't know. I doubt he listens to the podcast, but shout out to Sean. He actually came up to me and said, are you Jay Nice? And for those of you who have ever seen any of my YouTube videos, that was my YouTube moniker. And I got it from my best friend's husband, who we all went to high school together and he used to call me Jay Nice. And he used to be like, Jay Nice on the mic. And so that was like my moniker, that was my thing. So so he's like, are you Jay Nice? And he's like, I watch you on YouTube. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't made a YouTube video in like a year. So I made my YouTube debut since in, in about, it's been a year actually, cause it was May, 2022. So it's been a year and my video was on hair discrimination. So I'm going to make sure that that video is by the time you're listening to this, that video will be live. But I really want to take y'all on a journey to find out more about what it's like for someone who experiences sexualism and hair discrimination, like what that journey has been like. But Hiring bias, like I said, is one of the one of the most sort of visible ways that hair bias shows up in the workplace. The other way, like I stated, is microaggressions. And these are often more subtle. These are the comments that people at work make about your hair. The other is discriminatory policies, right, where it causes disparate impact. On the surface, it might seem neutral, where it's like you have to come to work and look professional, but professionalism is, as my girl attorney Leah Goodrich says, professionalism is a racial construct and is often used as a tool to discriminate against people of the global majority. And so the last way that hair discrimination shows up in the workplace is through inequitable treatment. So this would be more disparate treatment where someone is specifically asked to change their hairstyle, right? We saw this happen with Brittany Noble, who I did not know follows me on, I think, LinkedIn or Instagram, maybe both, but I wrote about her in her story years ago, but she was a news anchor that was fired because she was wearing hair extensions and then decided, I think it was damaging to her hair, or she just decided she didn't want to anymore. And her her news station protested. And eventually she ended up you know, changing her hair, wearing her hair natural, and they let her go. And they said, I think it was like performance related, which of course was a lie. But it happens, there's so many cases of this happening. And that's why I'm so happy for folks like Ajua Osmoa, who is a woman I had the pleasure of interviewing. She's one of the architects of the pivotal, pivotal piece of legislation called the Crown Act. The Crown Act is a piece of legislation that is currently in place in 20 states. And also it was just announced a couple days ago that Governor Greg Abbott in Texas just signed it into Texas state law. So it's going into effect September 1st. So maybe that's the 21st state, but it's 
a piece of legislation that protects against race-based hair discrimination. So at schools, in the workplace, if you live in a state where the Crown Act is law, race-based hair discrimination is prohibited. So your job can't tell you to change your hair, you know, or change your hairstyle if you live in one of those states. So inequitable treatment is often the result of the microaggressions that people have, is a result of the discriminatory uh, policies and the result of, you know, those more subtle forms of unconscious bias, right? And that, actually that's an oxymoron. Un unconscious bias is subtle, is unconscious. That's inherent in the, the, the name unconscious bias. So I just wanted to correct myself there. But so those are the four ways that hair bias shows up in the workplace. Hiring bias, microaggressions, discriminatory policies and practices, and inequitable treatment, like being asked to change your hairstyle. What are, I would love to know if any of you have experienced hair discrimination and hair bias, what that has looked like. You can always send me an email at askdrjnice at gmail.com. Also, if you have any questions related to cultivating an inclusive and equitable workplace, my inbox is always open to questions and I answer your question live on the podcast. So I will leave some resources for y'all in the show notes, but I just wanted to put on your radar that July 3rd is National Crown Day. So that's a great occasion to open up this discussion in your workplace. So National Crown Day is just a day for people to celebrate, black, black people specifically, to celebrate their natural hair. So I think that June and July, any any time really, but specifically like for those sort of like celebratory commemorations, that's a great time to open up these types of discussions and bring in facilitators to talk about these issues because it is a very real issue for many of your employees, whether or not they share that or not, but it is a very big sort of like issue that many people experience and oftentimes they're suffering in silence because I know hair discrimination and hair bias is always on my mind or was always in my mind when I was in academia and when I was in banking and when I was just working, it was something that was I was always thinking about. So I'm really excited to live in a world where children will have many more protections against race-based hair discrimination than I had and then that than what you had, what we had when we were younger. So I hope you found this episode to be informative and interesting. Again, there's lots of resources in the show notes. And if you're interested in that webinar I mentioned about how to leverage LinkedIn as a business owner, all of the information is in the show notes. Thank y'all so much for listening, and I will check y'all out in the next episode.